Hey friends, Dean here with some exciting news to share. You can now buy us a coffee. That's right. You can help support independent content creators like us by becoming a member of the 3324 Green Room at buymeacoffee.com slash 3324. Our episodes will always be free and that will not change, but your support at buymeacoffee.com slash 3324 will help us continue to bring you the best in music and movie podcasting, in our humble opinion. As a Green Room supporter, you'll not only have our undying gratitude, but you'll also be able to vote on which episodes we record and receive other perks for as low as $3 per month. That's the price of a cup of coffee. There's absolutely no obligation and nothing about the show will change. It's not going behind a paywall. Go to buymeacoffee.com slash 3324 for all the details. The link will be in the show notes of every episode as well. We'll see you in the green room. In this episode, we're taking a look at the final album from a rock trio that would also give them their only number one hit. The group is The Police, and the album, Synchronicity. Stay with us. Get ready for the 3324 Podcast, where lifelong friends Dean Legiro and Eric Cooper share their love of all things music and movies. Dean has directed short films and is a music trivia buff. And Eric, trained in audio engineering, brings his extensive knowledge of music and film to the conversation as they discuss, debate, and celebrate their favorite albums, films, and much more. Welcome to the 3324 Podcast. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. You found us in our little corner of the internet, tucked away, hiding in our little hobbit hole, but you found us. So we're grateful for that. So thanks for joining us. I'm Dean here with Eric. Hi, Dean. Hi, everyone. Hey, how are you? I'm good. And you, sir? I'm doing very well. I'm doing very well. <laughs> fun fun fact before we get started. Mm -hmm. When we always, when we upload our, our, launch our episodes on Thursdays, if you didn't know that, we launch them on Thursdays. I always go in and check to see who's listening and where the locations are. And first and foremost, there's always a person, I don't know who they are, but there's always a person in France that is always, <laughs> they listen to every episode. They are first, the first listen that we have. So I don't know who they are, but I want to thank them for uh -huh. being number, they're always number one, I guess, because of the time difference They're they're actually getting it closer to when they would be up or, or be able to listen to it. So to that person in France, whoever you are. We thank you. Thank you. For being number <laughs> yeah. one on our list. That's crazy. As for the rest of you, keep <laughs> listening. Um, unless you want to get up really early in the morning to be number one in, in the States, you'd have to get up pretty early, but uh, it'll be there for you. You can you can sleep, get your sleep, get your rest, yeah. and then uh, when you wake up, it's there for you. Sure. So yep. We appreciate it. And as mm -hmm. always, you can find us on social media, uh, 3324 Podcast. That's on Instagram and on Facebook. We make it easy. It's so simple. We just keep the same the same login information, the same name, so you can mm -hmm. find us. We're not trying to duck you. We're not trying to dodge you. Mm -hmm. no, we're, we're not going anywhere. So we're not going yeah, anywhere. That's right. Especially not for a while. We're going to be sitting in these chairs <laughs> until we're done talking about the police and mm -hmm. their album Synchronicity. So let's get cracking on this. Let's get the stats rolling, so then we can get the conversation rolling as well. This mm -hmm. was released in June of nineteen eighty three. Produced by the police and you Pajam. You Pajam is this is not the first time we've mentioned you Pajam in an episode. It hit number the album hit number one, mm -hmm. and there were four singles released released stateside. Every breath you take, which King as I mentioned in the uh, in the intro, that would be their only number one hit. King of Pain, King of Pain, wrapped around your finger, and one more. And synchronicity too. Synchronicity too. Yes, absolutely. Synchronicity mm -hmm. or or synchronicity part, also. Part two. <laughs> yeah. Synchronicity <laughs> also. I. I. <laughs> uh, and the album went eight times platinum, so that's yeah. over eight million copies. So this a was a monster for the yes. police. Mm -hmm. Just a, a a really big album, really big album, and it won three Grammys, uh, including Song of the Year for Every Breath You Take. This, mm -hmm. this was a, a just a monster release. This was the. Unfortunately, as I also said in the intro, it was the last album <laughs> by the yeah. police. Things had, had gotten really not not in a good place for them. Uh, so the fact that they were able to eke this release out mm -hmm. and have it do what it did for them. And then they, they literally, I, I don't know if you could go out on a bigger album. No. Honestly. Absolutely I, I mean, not. This, yeah, this was um, an absolute 
I don't even I, I don't know if they even knew that it was over. I mean, I know there was a lot of infighting, you know, uh, Stuart Copeland and Sting, you know, didn't get along. They, you know, they, they I think they fought <laughs> came more. To, came allegedly to, yeah, came, to came to blows. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but did they know that this was the end? I wonder. I don't think so, because from what I understand, they were they had regrouped to start work on another album. Yes. Stuart Copeland had a, uh, a horse riding accident. He broke mm. his collarbone or, or something. So that kind of put the kibosh on everything. And then the, at that point, they realized that it's probably better if they didn't continue. So I think they were going to try and maybe force yeah. something or see what at least see what happened. Mm hmm. But uh, yeah, I, I think they were miserable. I, I don't think they were happy with each other. Sting was definitely pulling away. Yeah, lyrically speaking, I think alone. lyrically, um, professionally, he was yeah. he was acting. He was doing a lot. Of, he was really expanding into a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. And and I don't think that the police, as a project, could hold that anymore. Or even mm -hmm. as a side project, where they keep the police going. And then Sting does other stuff. I don't know if they ever considered that. And mm. that might have been a, a, a good outlet is yeah, we keep the police going and then we just revisit it when we're, we feel sure. like it. Yeah. Interestingly enough, it, it, you know, it was the tour. Um, I read that it was they were in front of a stadium full of 70,000 people. And Sting decided you know, probably pretty much that then and uh, right then and there that this is it doesn't get any better than this. So we should stop. Which is interesting because, you know, did he was he thinking of the police as uh, just a project? Did he think that we weren't going to get this popular? And, and and they saw that he that they did, that they were just global worldwide. And it's just and I, I don't know. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It, 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 you got to you got to kind of respect that decision, I suppose, because, you know, then it's because it, 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 it alludes to the idea that it, they're not just doing it to be famous or, or yeah. to be, you know, huge in that, in that respect. Yeah. You know, I, so. I think part of the reality is, is yeah. that they're not, they were never really friends or best buds as it were. Yeah. yeah. It was always, it seemed like more of a working relationship. So there was no, I don't think any personal skin in the game where they mm. had, and they were only around. I mean, they, they, you know, we're going to get to the brief. We're, we're already into the brief history. So let's get into that. Sure. They were formed in 77. Yeah. So by by 80, 83, this was their last album. That's six years. Mm. So that's not really long for a band. No. And they had gotten five albums out of it. Um, and in case you if you don't know who we're talking about, well, you've got Sting on bass. You've got Andy Summers on guitar and you have Stuart Copeland on drums. Yeah. And a very special type of drum also called the Octoban. Mm -hmm. which he he championed. And this album, uh, Synchronicity, was the follow up to Ghost in the Machine which hit number two on the Billboard charts. So that mm. was a success. This was the kind of the run-up. And Synchronicity would just blow the doors open, and they were actually kind of really two two different kind of albums. And then Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, class of 2003, first year eligible. Mm. Got in. That was, that was going to be no doubt. <laughs> there was no doubt they were going to get it. I don't think there was going to be any argument that the police was not going to get in on the first ballot. Mm -hmm. I don't think there was going to be any fighting about that. So. Right. So yeah, how did you how did you come to this? What was uh, what was synchronicity th there for you when it first came out, or was it a later thing? Um, MTV, I think, was promoting it at the time. I, I distinctly remember a music video that, that that was specifically tailored to promote the album, and what it was was like a, a little like maybe thirty second snippets of every song. I don't know if you remember that. You know, uh, no. this was before they started even playing the the video for every breath you take. So yeah, uh, but I had I come to know the police by Zenyatta Mandata in 1980. I had that on vinyl. That was my first exposure to the band. Um, got into Ghost in the Machine. That was a monster for me, being that it was so different. Yeah. Very proggy. And uh, so of course I loved it, you know, so, and, but, but Synchronicity is kind of a step up from that. I didn't think that synchronicity would be as as different as it is mm -hmm. from Ghost in the Machine. I thought it was going to be a little bit more of the same, but it, it totally wasn't. It was a total. Yeah, uh, yeah I think you could take that, the, that the yeah. I think you can take those last three albums and Yada yeah. Mandata, Ghost in the Machine, and Synchronicity, and that pretty much I think will encapsulate the police for you because Yada Mandata kind of continues on what what the first two albums were doing. And yeah. I think it kind of refines it a little bit better and get and. 
uh, gets it to more of a razor edge. So it's a, it's a very not a Madonna album. goes to the machine in, yeah. in synchronicity. You've got a, a nice, and they're all three very different, like you said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I got into it one album later than you. <laughs> I got into the police with Ghost in the machine. I was dating somebody yeah. at the time, and that's all she ever. She it seems like she only ever played <laughs> Ghost in the Machine and Fleetwood Mac Mirage. Seems like those are only two albums that she ever played. So I got to know Ghost in the Machine really well. So that was really my first entree. I had had known some of the other songs like Message in a Bottle. Those were kind of hanging around. But really, my introduction to the police was Ghost in the Machine. And that's Mm. a kind of, you know, it's got that industrial dark feel to it. Not industrial in, in, in like it sounds like industrial music, but it just has like that feel, like a dark feeling to it. It's not a light album. Say. Not at all. It, you know, it's it's a very well produced album, but it's it's got a lot of experimentation by the police mm-hmm. that they didn't really carry into synchronicity. I mean, synchronicity is as as diverse as that is. I don't think shares a lot of DNA with Ghost in the Machine. What do you think? No, not at all. Um, I think Sting was really going for something real, real different with Ghost and a lot of layering, a lot of uh, a lot of overdubbing with his voice. There was, yeah, there was a kind of a, a, an off, I, I, you know, some of the songs to me were just kind of like almost off key in a way, like on purpose. There were, there were things that were being done that were just, it was slightly more punk. Um, they were trying to do something, maybe something so, somewhat proggier. Stuart Copen always said, you know, I always, I always wanted to be in a punk band, but the police always did more than that. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're actually prog. You know, he, he, you know, he, he considers the, the band a prog rock band because they were always doing something more than just yeah. straight up punk rock. Yeah. And, so, and they've got and roots think, in reggae as well. Yeah. So you got to keep that in mind is, is the first couple of albums, the first three albums really kind of had the, the punk elements and it also had reggae elements yeah. as well as pop and Ghost in the Machine started to move away from some of that. Mm-hmm. Most, most of that actually for just a, a totally different sound it, it's definitely the you know if you were to, if, if, you, if you think upon them as a prog rock band uh, ghost is definitely the the prime example of it you know because there's some real i mean they got some really long and, and there's some really long songs on the record demolition man just kind of goes on forever and ever and yeah and then you got invisible <laughs> sun which is unlike anything they've ever done before this slow sort of building, you know, yeah, I creeping. think rehumanize yourself is the closest thing that yeah. would sound like it might've been on another album. Yeah. That would be the closest. And then, and then they move to, to synchronicity, which puts them right, right square into the MTV generation with, with music videos as a thing with yeah. ghost in the machine. It was kind of that every little thing, every little thing she does is magic. And it's, it was kind of like thrown together. Like they're in the studio spirits in the material world. It seemed like the stuff was just kind of thrown together, mm-hmm. but with synchronicity, they would be fully embracing everything that MTV had to offer. They would use godly and cream for a lot of their, uh, a lot for directing a lot of their videos and godly yeah. and cream were two members actually that were in, in the group 10 CC. And then they struck out on their own, but then also were music video directors in their own right as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they, um, they were they were there, pushing the police, and and each one of those videos for those four singles are are are, are very different, <laughs> very different looks at the police as well. Yeah, and I think that's what you get with this album too, mm-hmm. is to is to get is to to start talking about this album. So the word I think uh, the word that comes to mind, especially when we're talking about side one, <laughs> mainly, is textures. Yeah, there's very it, the, the side. The first side really has a lot of different textures to it. Mm-hmm. You can almost uh, the album cover even reflects that sort of brush strokes of color. You know, you have them doing all these separate things, and from what I understand, I think that uh, um, they didn't know what they were going to be doing. You know, when they were posing for the pictures, so they had the band separately doing separate things, and 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 the band didn't even know what what it was going to look like, which I find interesting. So when you say texturing, yeah, even the album, co- uh, the, the artwork on, on the cover reflects that. Well, let, since, oh, since, you know. since you brought it up, you're saving yeah. me a, a bullet point talking about the album <laughs> is the album, not the cassette, but the mm-hmm. album, uh, I believe, I don't, I, I want to say 36. 
I think there are up to 36 different variations of yes. the album cover yep. with different color schemes, different sets of photos, different poses, different arrangement. Then the fun part is if you are a vinyl collector mm-hmm. and you take out the album from the sleeve, it looks just like a regular LP. But if you hold it up to the light, yeah. there's actually different color variations, but they're not, it's not clear vinyl like, blue. oh, hey, this is blue. Mm-hmm. Hey, this is purple. On the surface, when you pull it out, it looks like a regular album. But And when you hold it up, it, it, there's like a brown one and some different ones. And I, I remember when I was getting, I, I bought a couple of <laughs> copies of it on vinyl and I'm like in the record store, like holding it up to the light. Yeah. They must have thought like, what is this guy? Like, what does he think he's doing? But I needed to see because it's it's not very translucent, but you have to hold it up to a light to, sure. to get the yeah. color. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so if you're if you're into vinyl collecting, you can get 36 different synchronicity covers, and then there's a couple of different variants of of colored vinyl as well. I, I wonder if anybody has ever tried to collect all 36. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure that I'm sure the police yeah. completists are absolutely. Yeah. I'm sure there's somebody that's got mm-hmm. them all. Absolutely, it's like Pokemon. Got to catch them all. Yeah, yeah that'd be, <laughs> be kind of cool, actually. To you know, just something just to have. You know, yeah, maybe put them but, on a wall, and all the right. different variations would yeah. be pretty. Would be pretty well. And I wonder if you do that, that if it has some kind of oh. sort of you know you know what I mean, like it, it's I like a piece of piece of a puzzle or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know for sure, but it's never been mentioned or. But it would be interesting to see that. Good question. Yeah. <laughs> Good question. Well, if anybody out there has gotten all of them, let us know. Yeah, Certainly, absolutely. Uh, sure. Hit us let up us... On, on social media and uh, let us know. Or if you know if there's any secret uh, secret hidden meaning to all of them or if they match up somehow, some way, uh, by all means, let us know. Mm-hmm. So all let's right. jump into side one of synchronicity. I mean, like I said, this is the most eclectic side of the yeah. album. Side two kind of settles into a groove. Yeah, I agree. Uh, for the most part. And and I think the first side is really where you get the most diverse and in some in one case very diverse uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> type of music. So it, it starts out with with Synchronicity One. So there mm-hmm. are two songs named Synchronicity, Synchronicity One and Synchronicity Two. Mm-hmm. Um and Synchronicity One really kind of sets the tone. You're 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 hearing something different from from the get-go. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> synthesizers are being employed here, but not in a way that you usually hear them with a lot of the uh, the synth pop bands of the, of the time. It's just they didn't really know how to use them, interestingly enough. I, I had just read that you know Sting was kind of just playing with it. So it was more about sequencing yep. a series of you know layering a, a sequence of, of notes and that kind of thing. So So it really starts out with this weird sort of synth kind of thing, which is, again, you've never heard this kind of thing before from them. And then it just kicks in with those drums. Yeah, you got and, some big, uh, you got some oh, big drums. You got some oh big God. drums uh, starting this off and kicking it off uh, with, the, with the help of Hugh Padgham, who uh, you, you may know that he worked with Phil Collins to get that gated, that wonderful gated drum sound that he has. The same thing with Stuart Copeland. There's that sort of I don't know. I can't describe the crack of that snare drum is so distinctive. It's so, Stuart Copeland. Yeah, it is. It, nobody sounds like this. You know, he has his own signature sound, which I think is incredible, you know? Yeah. So, uh, and it just that driving beat just keeps the song going. It's really fast, really great song. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really, I really like it. it gets, I think one of the first yeah. times I heard it really loud, I was in, mm-hmm. uh, I was in somebody's car uh, actually before maybe, I think it might've been actually before I, I ran out and got the cassette because I remember, I vividly remember getting the cassette Yeah, and it, I think it was because I was in somebody's car and they played synchronicity one and they, and I was in the back seat and they cranked it and I was like, Whoa, like what, yeah, like, the, what the, is the, this? This sounds like it sounded nothing like ghost in the machine. And I remember I, I had a job and I was, I was like clean, a cleanup guy, you know, sweeping the floors and mopping. And I, I remember getting, getting paid, getting on the bus Going to the local mall, which was you know what twenty five minute bus ride, yeah. getting getting synchronicity, and then coming all the way back home just to get it, just yeah. to get my get my hands on it. And I almost I almost blew my eardrums out on my Walkman listening to that track, just that track over and over again. Yeah, I'd re- <laughs> I'd rewind it back, and I had you know just just the opening gets you. I just yeah, that, that when the drums kick in, I'm like it gives you chills to this day too. I, I still love it. Yeah, and, and not That's a lot great. of guitar on this on this no. song whatsoever. No. You don't really hear from Andy Summers in 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 this way. 
and you kind of don't hear from them until usually, yeah. you know, you hear them a little bit in the next song, which is walking in your footsteps, uh, mm -hmm. more as atmospheric, uh, you know, helping to, to paint the picture, which is right. You know, this, walking in your footsteps really has a, a world kind of a world music influence, flutes, flute sound and, and bongos, mm -hmm. uh, very sparse production and very sparse arrangement. Uh, just really, really the opposite of synchronicity one mm -hmm. yeah. in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. And again, uh, his guitar is very effectual. It's very just sort of like like little brush strokes, you know, yeah. again, that texturing that we spoke of. Yeah. And, and the thing so, about Andy know. Summers I, I was thinking <clears throat> yeah. about is... As a soloist, he kind of seems like very almost his solos just generally seem very chaotic. You yeah. know, his his yeah. his rhythm playing and his support playing is is kind of very standard when you listen to him supporting mm -hmm. a song, but when you listen to to Andy Summers solo, it doesn't it doesn't sound like a regular like I, I was trying to think of him like it, I don't I couldn't compare him to someone else that solos it's, it's very he's manic, going, he's he's very not going chaotic. Yeah, he's not going for melody he's not going for necessarily it's a different type of emotion yeah. i think he's trying to it's more of employ. a feel and more it is more of a punk aesthetic yeah yep I, and, and the, the only the, other guitar player that i could probably think of that that does stuff like that is maybe in in, in a sort of more prog vein is maybe somebody like robert fripp mm -hmm. i could you know i could probably say oddly enough Steve. they work together yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah so, so i think that's you know they're so, from the same fight, sort of fight to be who could be weirdest <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> And, yeah. and one of the things I noticed, I noticed in, in this particular song is Sting talks about it's 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 about, you know, one of the lines is if we explode the atom bomb, would they say that we were done where we were dumb? Mm -hmm. That seems to be something he revisits in his solo work, because in 85, he would release his first solo album, Dream of the mm -hmm. Blue Turtles. And there's a song Russians on there. Yeah. Which also talks about nuclear war. So it seems like he was he was getting developing also more of a social conscience. He was doing a lot of charity stuff and mm -hmm. and those kind of uh, those different causes. And it seems like that was starting to also infiltrate. Yeah, both in, him and, into the music. Both him and Stuart Cope were very political, and apparently that's one of the things they never got along. <laughs> they, they they just have very different you know ideals and politics, uh -huh. and I'm not, I don't really know what what Stuart Copeland believes in. I, I, I frankly, I don't care. <laughs> it just, what that's one of the things that they just never got along on. And, but interestingly, I think I heard a story where Copeland would argue with sting outright. Sting would just basically shut down, couldn't respond, get up and leave. And then the next day he'd come back with like a, like a little haiku of lyrics just to, you know, and floored Stuart Copeland as, as a response to hmm. that argument. And he would just write down maybe three words and Stuart Copeland was floored by it. You know, and that was the, the dynamic that they had in terms of, you could say that was a great working type of relationship, oddly enough, because it got the most out of Sting. He would go back yeah. and come back with these like really great lyrics and, and, and not even, and very simple lyrics too. They hmm. weren't so like, you know, complex and the, you know, but it was just broken down, just just simple words, but they made yeah, responses. a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Wow. So, yep. and, and so after that, uh, we've got my God, mm -hmm. which is one of my favorite. I, I really like this song for a lot of different reasons. Yeah. I like Sting's vocal on this. Mm -hmm. Got a little, he, he kind of has a little bit of a growl or a little rasp to his voice in it. Yeah. Uh, that the bass work on this is really good and it's kind of a jazzy, it's got a little jazzy feel to it. Yeah. It's an old song. I you think know? He, he had wrote it when he was in, I think his first band, I think. And I just, they just uh, for whatever reason, they never used it. But yeah, it, it's a fairly old song. And it, it, it kind of makes sense that it would be, you know, because he has that real high pitched voice in the mm -hmm. song. So evoking the early days of of the band. And and um, and I, I always thought it was at the end with that crazy saxophone playing. Yeah. I always thought it was Stuart Copeland and it's Sting. It's Sting. Yeah, because he had done it. He'd played sax on Ghost in the Machine. He was experimenting on wanting to play sax for whatever reason. Yeah, and I think he plays <laughs> oboe as well. Yeah, yeah and yeah. I think this is also a foretelling for of Dream of the Blue Turtles mm -hmm, as well. Mm -hmm. This is, a, if you're really paying attention, Yeah, this starts to point in that direction. In that jazzier. Yeah, because nobody was ready for Dream of the Blue Turtles when it came out. We were right. expecting police solo stuff just sting. Yeah. Um, and, and Dream of the Blue Turtles, if you if you want to, if you've never listened to Dream of the Blue Turtles, my God is kind of pointing at kind of you could see where he's going. Yep. And it's the only it's I think it's the only 
besides Murder by Numbers, I think these are those are the two songs that really kind of point in that direction. Everything else is kind of mm-hmm. in in the police wheel, wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if, yeah, I, I love the, on the liner notes of this album that the best thing that they that they wrote was all noises by the police. It's not yeah. they didn't break it down bass, drums, whatever, who did what, you know, it's all noises played by the police. I just love that. Some, somebody did something. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, somebody grabbed an instrument and, yeah. and got it done. Yep. And then speaking of, of noises. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> oh Andy my God. Summers. Here we go. Oh my God. Here we go. The next track. We have yeah. my God. And then the next song is mother and it's, and it's Andy Summers wrote it. Uh, also all the, all these songs were, were for the most part written by Sting except for, Mother and Miss Gradenko, and then some of them were co-written, but every, mm-hmm. but Sting pretty much has the the lion's share. Mm-hmm. And Mother, you know, Andy Summers really has just a, a totally different take on things, and and you can hear it in some of the past <laughs> past Police albums too. He yeah. he he's kind of the the odd duck when sure. it comes to it. And and this this song, if you can get past this song, you can get through the rest of the album. This is the odd 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 man out. You you need a song like this though. Yeah, I think that's what makes it kind of you know it anchors it to it has just the right amount of weirdness. What what do you even call it? I mean, I don't know if it's pop or whatever. It's undefinable. I it don't has even like know. a hurdy gurdy, like swirling sound yeah. to it. Mother, the vocal is unhinged. It's yeah. it's a it's a manic vocal, so it's not anything like you're gonna. It, it's not there's not anything else on the album like it. So it is mm-hmm. very. Uh, you might say it's experimental. For, you know, as far as Listen, if you put it in with everything else that you're listening to on this album, very experimental. Mm-hmm. Uh, his 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 vocals are very uh, creepy in in one in one aspect and and kind of manic and throaty in another. And he's just screaming and yeah, and, and it's know, got like the very, swirling. I guess you could call it avant garde. I guess sure. I don't know something maybe something to that effect. I don't. I'll know. go with it. <laughs> that, that's exactly what it is. And I, I, I do you know? Uh, did you? Do you think it's a response to um, uh, John Lennon's mother song? Uh, mother? You know, what? I never, I never thought of that because I, I think I had read that too. Like, I never thought was, of that. Uh, there was some some kind of a comparison or something going on there, and uh, you know, John Lennon's song "Mother" is kind of you know when you think about it, it he does get like that in the song. Yeah. He starts screaming and, yeah, and you absolutely, know. yeah. So I wonder if this is just. Interesting. A, a take or, or, or somewhat of a take, but he wrote it himself, which is, I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, very, yeah, very kind of crazy and, and manic type song. Um, and then you, you get the next song, Miss Gradenko, which was, was written by Stuart Copeland, settles back into very catchy, kind of a, very poppy, very, very catchy. catchy. Yeah. Yep. Just a standard kind of something, again, something akin to you might, you might hear on another police album, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Very, and I think the song I think is is somewhat political. I don't know what it's real. I don't even know what it's about, uh, but it's definitely a political type song. But I love the. It, it's also the shortest song on the record too. Mm-hmm. It, just, it just wraps up real quick. It's just a little ditty thrown in there, and again to to just change things up. You know, I love the way they change it up in the in the middle of the side with these two songs. They just you know it's, and then you kick into the monster. Which was literally, you know, l- l- lyrically, yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, lyrically, which is synchronicity too. And this light little ditty, and then it, all of a sudden you hear again this like weird sort of synth kind of thing, and then boom! And, and again, the, you know, it's it's not a, it's not fast like synchronicity one, but it again it has that power to it. it yeah, that, those those drums kick in, and then boom, it, it goes off. I think it's my favorite track off the record synchronicity too. I'd, I'd um, go, I'd go with it. It would, it would be a strong number too. I love, I love Andy Summers work on this yes. track. I yep. love his supporting his guitar support on yep. this with the, with Especially the, with the, the lines end. that he's yep. playing when, when Sting is, when Sting is singing and then the, you know, just his riffs, you know, I love that kind of stuff. He, mm-hmm. It's really, it, it really kind of anchors the song. What I didn't know, which I found out recently, is that originally Synchronicity One and Synchronicity Two were supposed to be linked. They they were gonna they the songs were linked and they were supposed to be because in Synchronicity Two, there's a, some contrasting between a guy and his 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 work life and his home life. Yeah, and then this this thing you know basically the Loch Ness monster kind of coming coming to life. They were trying to work in the Loch Ness monster somehow or reference in Synchronicity One. 
And then they were also trying to link them musically and they just couldn't figure it out. Like they couldn't get it yeah, to, to yeah. match. So they ended up splitting it, which, which is probably good. I, I, I like that, so. that it's two separate things, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. that they are two very different songs. So you're kind of getting synchronicity one to open the album and then two to close out the side. Mm-hmm. And this, um, yeah, this was what it was a big, a big song and a big music video. This is when they're in the, all those tattered clothes. And that's, yeah. This is like the height of like eighties MTV music video. Yeah. The wind uh, blowing the hair, yeah, like, 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 like it stings hair is de- like, boom, like, you know, <laughs> I don't want to say debauchery, but meaning yeah. like oh, meaning of overspending money and just making these, gi- this gigantic video. Yeah. They're, they're all in different like towers and they were in tattered this, clothing and, and all this debris flying around yeah, and it's, 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 it's starkly lit. There's like, you know, yeah. It's yeah, very, this uh, is like one cinematic. of the yeah. one of the yeah. one of the pinnacles of like the MTV generation <laughs> yep. videos was like Synchronicity Two. Um, at least we at least we thought so in the at, back in the day. <laughs> I think so. Still, I, I think when you think about that video, you you think wow, yeah. like like if you could look at the other videos they made for the other sure. songs, yeah. and they don't. You could say, well, that's not really too eighties ish. Yeah, but the video for Synchronicity Two is squarely like the fashion. The mm-hmm. tattered and, and it stings hair like the hair and just the, <laughs> the 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 bigness of the set and everything. Just they spent a lot of money on that. Yeah, they absolutely did. Um, so that that closes out side one. And like I said, side two is is really more, much more of an easy even keel. I think Would so. And I, I think I, they find, I, I think they find a groove and stay in it. And I think the songs are more uh, more personal too i think they uh they evoke you know there's there's they're talking about relationships and you know they're getting yeah. real like it's not poli- you know there aren't really many poli- there, i don't think there are any political songs on the side too no definitely se. more i mean it opens with every breath you take it it's every, much this was more the hit. yep this was their number one hit this was the one that that brought them to the stratosphere and you hear it it's in it's in commercials nowadays and it's and it's 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 funny too because it's it's just such a simple song and one that sting was really meticulous over and Stuart copeland wanted of obviously <clears throat> being the drummer that he is wanted to do more on it and sting was like no i want this beat and that's <laughs> it and and if you saw these two together and you know that Stuart copeland is that kind of drummer he's he's gonna he's gonna want to do more yeah because he's got that ego and he knows that he has a very distinctive drumming pattern and sound and so that when they clash, they clash. I mean, Sting knew what he was doing. Obviously, you know, he knew enough to say this song has to be restrained. It is, it's a very particular thing I want, and you know, so that must have been hard for for Copeland to kind of just, yeah, you definitely know, needed more of a, a delicate touch. Yeah, absolutely. Less um, is more, as opposed to yeah. I think this. I think the second side is definitely more sedate. Yeah. Then the first side, the first side definitely is, is manic. It, 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 there's a lot of up tempo and, and strange stuff. Mm-hmm. And the second side really kind of just really kind of lay, lays you in and, and sets you up with every breath you take. You get my, the next song, which, which is one of my favorites is King of Pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just really love, love this song. It's, again, it's just a great one. It's great again, lyrics. Again, simple too. Yeah. That simple little piano riff in the beginning. Yeah, I just and it, also I think it evokes you know this is what Sting would go on to do later in his solo career these types of songs these kind of you know putting a lot of himself into it and just they're they're very personal and they they you know they're they're jazzy or they could be poppy but very very intelligent he goes you know he he has this brain like he can either go real personal and, and talk about love and and breaking up talking about literature and the song and and all kinds it goes off on all these weird tangents. Yep. Yeah, I and, think, and I, think I think the side really ev- evokes that type of those types of songs that he would go on. When you think about it, it kind of makes sense that this would be their last album as a group. Yeah, know, actually, he was already you, rising when, above, you know, the the group dynamic. Yeah, he was he was expanding his ideas, and and yeah. I think that's what it, what I was getting to is when you said you know <clears> kind of echoes what he would be doing. Yeah, for some reason, you know, the first song that came to mind when you said that was Fortress Around Your Heart. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. When, yeah, when, but when you know, we're but you know what I'm about talking that. about. Like, like Fortress Around Your Heart is kind of a similar feel. Doesn't sound the same. But yeah, kind of the same type of uh, evoking how do you, the same type of. How emotion. do you talk about? How do you talk about love? And then you you throw in a, like a sort of a political thing in there as well. That's Sting. I mean, he he was able to do those kinds of things. Yeah. Those, those sort of cross pollinization of, of of just all these different ideas and and very very gives gives you the sense that he's 
uh, a well-read individual, but also also getting the reputation of being a, a slightly pretentious, which I didn't mind because <laughs> can't have nothing, one without the other. There's nothing wrong with that, I think. Um, but that's that's Sting, you know, just this, this sort of arrogance about him. He's like this, you know, he's above the, well, the you, punk well, thing. Or, you why know. don't we call it self confidence? <laughs> well, yeah, okay. Let's call it you self confidence. <laughs> <laughs> or, or arrogance or ego yeah it uh, yeah, most it, definitely yeah, any, any or all any no. or all of those and he owned he owned it i mean he oh. he did you know so he's who didn't want to be sting i know i i mean i looked up to the guy i mean oh, of course i mean they were gigantic they, know, they were yeah. on the precipice i mean that at, at the at the time of this album they were the biggest thing i think they were the ones that also unseated michael jackson's thriller yep. from the charts at the time yep. too i think this this spent Many weeks at number one, not necessarily sequential. It would, it would, it would hit number one, drop back, and then go back up again. So mm-hmm. um, th- this was a really a, a just a monster album, and, mm-hmm. and something so totally different from from Thriller or anything else that was going on too. I mean, if you look at these songs, honestly, when I was listening to it, I'm like, the material that these songs deal with is not necessarily like happy thoughts. It's not like they're they're total downers, but the songs are up tempo, but the subject matter isn't necessarily a, a, about happy happy things, right. really. When you look at it, well, every breath you take. Let's let's retread some water here. It's not yeah, everybody uses it as a wedding song at the time, and Sting would laugh at this because that's not what the song's about. <laughs> it's actually a very very dark, yeah, very dark song. Definitely, about, that's about a guy stalking or or just sort of a voyeuristic type of thing happening. And just you know the behavior of the, of the individual or the characters in the song it's just it's not about two people falling in love it's yeah. about some guy trying to control someone you know and well yeah. maybe, hey maybe that's why people are choosing it for their wedding song I, maybe I don't know <laughs> but like I'm I'm wearing the pants now <laughs> and and then you have and then we talked about and then of course with King of Pain it's you know it's dealing with things in your life that go wrong and, you know, and it's just taking that on your shoulders. And at least that's the interpretation I, I get, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. It's, it, it kind of hits home in some cases, <laughs> maybe not at the time, but you know, when you go through some things, uh, sure. yeah, it's definitely a part of the soundtrack of your existence. I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. But, and then, yeah. and then wrapped around your finger, which again, kind of is, it's the same type of feel. Yeah. You know, the, especially King of pain and wrapped around your finger. I, I always think of them in tandem. Mm-hmm. Not that they sound the same, but they just have a same kind of feel about them, and similar. And, just the same. and it says they pretty much saying the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, I, and I really like the, the the arrangement on "Wrapped Around Your Finger." You, I love you it. Do, Stuart Copeland does get to do a little with his with his small his little symbols, and yeah, he's he's very <laughs> a very talk about texture. He he puts yeah. in these little little percussive moments, especially that little. I just love the when at the very end of the song, there's the, he gets in that little flam at the end, like you know, like you know, what I'm talking about like when the song starts fading out, yep, and then you know they're doing the little dee 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 dee, and then and he just he just gets it in there at the very end, and it just maybe almost as a as an f you to sting, you know, <laughs> I kind of like to think of it that way. <laughs> Just to get it in there, because I because you know, I'm Stuart Copeland, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, but that's one of the know. great things about yeah. him is he he kind of reminds me of of John Densmore, and it's no it's no coincidence, right? That Stuart Copeland would actually play in the doors of the 20th century yeah. revival group, and, and same time, you know, Densmore always reminded me of the same type of thing, always going for feel or going for those little extra add-ins and just mm-hmm. little little pieces, and and Stuart Copeland kind of does that more to the nth degree he really has uh, you know those sensibilities of, of, of and again sometimes you need to rein it in and that's mm-hmm. you know like with something like every breath you take you don't need all that extra stuff but on a song like wrapped around your finger those little extra things really help help kind of grow the song and, yeah. and make it a, a, an interesting listen too mm-hmm. i remember that little video store right next to genevieve's you know to talk about that we used to that was when we first got our you next know, to the drugstore yeah yeah the vcrs and, yep, yep. and, and we would rent video this rental little, store yeah do you remember the name of it the store not offhand okay <laughs> yeah we would go and it's and, and I, I must have rented the synchronicity concert VHS, uh-huh. like i think like three or four times i i would i would keep it beyond the expiration date because <laughs> i just kept watching that thing over and over and i was so fascinated watching Stuart copeland this is when we were all taking lessons and you know want, me wanting to be a drummer and you know of course the aspirations and, and watching him with this huge rig especially yeah. on wrapped around your finger and he had all these 
these symbols like kind of spinning around and he's he's doing all of these things and he's wearing the white gloves and he's hitting the the, the xylophone and this and you know all these textural things which i thought He's the first real drummer that introduced me to the idea that it, it, it's not just about a kit, straight, a kit or a straight yeah. beat. Yep, it's all it's percussion too, which I find very fascinating too. Yeah, do you, so, now let me ask you a question. Yeah, do you still owe the late fees from <laughs> no. from no, those I, rentals? I, my parents, think? unfortunately, they, um, put the parents on the hook. That's well, the way no, I would have done it they, too. No, because it was done. They it was well put on their credit card or whatever there you know, you so they they had to <laughs> so that yeah they would get angry with what do you mean you didn't take it back you know <laughs> but then i just rent it again i yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd take it back and then i'd, I'd rent, rent it a it. few days later and then oh, i might as well I'm... own the damn thing you know what do i want to rent something new <laughs> hey how about the police synchronicity tour <laughs> and, and, and if but, you don't rewind it you could just like probably pick it up and like put it in and it'd be right where you left off too yeah. so if you but did it, it was it was more about <laughs> yeah it was like because i was studying everything Stuart copeland was doing i just love the way he looks when he drums and he has a very you know he holds the very stick lanky like, yeah very light but he has holds the stick like the old style yep. jazz drummers used to with on the finger and just Absolutely. you know hitting it front you know working those that hi-hat Nobody could work a hi hat like Stuart Copeland. I mean, he, yeah. Peter Gabriel used him specifically on Red Rain, him and Daniel Lanois. And so they hired Stuart Copeland just to play the hi hat, not to play the drums on the song, but just the hi hat because they wanted that extra little something, which I thought yeah. was interesting. And, and, you know? and like I said, like I said in the beginning, he was also used a, a style of drum called the Octoban, mm -hmm. which are, if you don't know what those are, you, you can look it up, but they're very small long cylindrical drums right. yep and you get a really distinct sound from it and he was i mean there are a lot of artists that use them but re you can really hear mm -hmm. he, he used them to really great effect in the police and it really kind of helped define the police's sound now, too yep. with those with those octobands so check out go, go search for them yeah, yeah they they're look like hollow tubes almost look like you know like something you would pack a poster in you know like yeah. maybe a little bit thicker almost than that. bongo -y. Yeah, a little bit, but but, but, but struck, but struck with struck with the stick. So, mm -hmm. which leads us to T in the Sahara, which has no drumming <laughs> like that on it. It's very light. It's very very light. atmospheric. Yeah. It, it, it was inspired by a book called The Sheltering Sky, and and the, that The Sheltering Sky does as a lyric appear in in this song as well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, just very a lot of textures. Just very low key, some bass in there, and and just some some atmospheric guitar. Oddly enough, we were talking uh, on one of our earlier shows about our top five TV shows, Eric, and you mentioned how uh, Miami Vice used mm -hmm. music. Mm -hmm. This song was used in the first season of Miami Vice. Mm -hmm. That's right. So so that was right in that like you know we talked about right in in that wheelhouse of Miami Vice embracing the eighties aesthetic, but also getting the rights to using new songs as they came out. And to use tea in the Sahara is kind of a would be a very curious choice. I mean, you'd want to go for a hit, right? And they're going way deep. I mean, they're going beyond deep like well. deep cut. Yeah, absolutely. Like beyond yeah. deep cut. Mm -hmm. I didn't. What I didn't realize is that on the album, that's it. That's it. That's the last song. By by the time I got to Synchronicity, I was well into buying cassettes mm -hmm. and and getting away from buying vinyl and forty fives, etc. So there is one more song called Murder by Numbers. Mm -hmm. Which they got into, you know, they, they, which I, which was a, became a big thing with cassettes, is they would start throwing on an extra track at the end, yeah, um, which, which a lot of groups started doing, and I didn't realize. And then I'm listening to the vinyl. I'm like, where's where's some, like Murder by Numbers? Like, where is it? And it's like I'm looking. It's not. It's not there. It's not there. Yeah, but it was on the cassette. So Murder by Numbers, we will talk about. Um, again, a very jazzy, very mm -hmm. jazzy number. Probably mm -hmm. the most. Most very odd thing. and a very odd drum pattern very a signature on this song it's it's just so not in sync with what the rest of the band are doing right i mean copeland's on a whole different thing with this <laughs> thing and it works though it, it absolutely works but yeah it's 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 a great it's a it's a it's kind of a corny little tune but it, it kind of it yeah, it's I a think little it, you know, it it's works. a little loungy right yeah it's yeah kind of loungy and you know it, it definitely it definitely <clears throat> sounds like it, it definitely has bonus track written on it. Yeah, to me, it's like an it's a it's a it's not a throwaway, but it's, it's right. But so it's, another it's, song it's called um, 
Once Upon a Daydream, I believe, was supposed to be on this record too, and that has a that's a very synth heavy song, and that was one of the outtakes of the of the of the album. And and they they did put out an album when they re-released all of their uh, albums in a box set recently, and all they were all remastered, and there was a, an extra CD full of all the songs that did not appear on the various on uh, various records, which I loved. Um, and then they released it separately. So uh, Flexible Strategies is the name of it. So it's very interesting stuff there. There's a couple of instrumentals. And they have, you know, some of the outtakes. And one of my favorite songs was I Burn For You from the uh, uh, Brimstone Triacle Triacle soundtrack. And, and that's the only song that's not on this record. I'm like, what are you doing? What, <laughs> they got, well, they technically, got, was that Police or was that Sting, though? No, it was The Police. It was? There it were, was The Police they, proper? proper it song? was a Police proper song, yeah. Hmm. Yep. Because, you know, Copeland is all over that. I mean, his drumming on that when, you know, yeah. especially towards the end when he, you know, when they're, oh, 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 and it just mm-hmm. keeps going and he's just, you know, filling in now, with all these Now you'll flames, have to you know? go get the, the soundtrack LP. Yeah. I mean, I had Brimstone it. I, Trico with Denim Elliott. <laughs> <laughs> Sting playing basically what? Yeah. The devil? I, I don't think yeah. I've ever seen the movie. I did see I the had... movie in the theaters, believe it or not. And I didn't get it. And I, I, I went to go see it probably because Sting was in it. I go, oh, I'll go see this. And it was yeah. just weird, arty, uh, artsy thing, which he would do. He, he did, you know, as far as acting, very yeah. curious choices. He was in Dune. He was in... Uh, he was in the remake. He was in that movie called The Bride, which was basically a remake of Bride yep. of Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. So his his acting choice, he definitely could have movie star looks and leading man looks. He definitely could. Oh, no doubt. Could probably have carried a film, but his acting choices were very curious. Yeah, and he, and he the- really went like the artsy stuff, they- and that's probably what what hit his sensibilities. Is I, I like this kind of strange and, and weird stuff that I want to do. Wasn't he in Quadrophenia? Yeah, his first role. Was was the face face man in Quadrophenia, the character that everybody looked up to. He was the you know the slick guy, the leader of the mods, uh, the long coat and the, the the hair. That's when he dyed his hair like really blonde, I think. But yeah, um, he also I I always thought that he would make would have made the perfect Lestat in the uh, interview uh, the, with the vampire the vampire movie. Uh, Tom Cruise. I mean, everybody was kind of stra- scratching yeah. their heads on that, but I thought Sting would have made a perfect Lestat. Would have been David, interesting. Or David Bowie, one of the two. Yeah, but, absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sting, anyway. Sting definitely. Uh, but this yeah, is the he, thing. He, like, he had the looks. Yeah, but this is the thing. We were so I was so obsessed with the police at this point that even anything that came out solo wise, any soundtrack work, anything like I, I had Stuart Copeland's Rumble Fish soundtrack. Never saw the movie until until recently, <laughs> like about a year ago, when I bought the the Blu-ray, and I I, I, <laughs> I had never seen the movie. Yeah, well, you know, that's okay. You were into you know, the music, though. I mean, you, right. you bought it. You bought it for the I music it for very for... specific reasons. Yeah, he also had another thing called the Rhythmatist, which is basically him going around the world recording different you know, tribal people using percussion, and then he would layer his own stuff on top of it, which I thought was was great. Obviously, I probably one of maybe two people that own it <laughs> in the world. Like, you know, it's obviously a very bargain bin type yeah. type thing. It, it didn't sell. It wasn't a, it wasn't that kind of of an album, you know, but yeah. it was it was a real departure from what he was doing with the police. But I, 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 I dug that kind of stuff. I love I love artists who go above and beyond. Now he's like composing like classical music, which I find great in the middle and in, uh, in the middle of playing in all these different types of bands like Oysterhead. And uh, there was one like just, just a couple of years ago that they put out uh, Gizmondo, I think it was called. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like the traveling Wilburys of prog rock, right? It was Stuart Copeland. You had the, <laughs> you had the guy from level 42 on bass. You had some Italian, Mark like, King. yeah, some Italian <laughs> uh, composer, yeah. keyboardist, and then Adrian Blue of King Crimson, you know, so it was and that was I, that was a pretty wild album. I was like, this is this is kind of cool, you know. Yeah. And like, like I said, he also did know. the door. He sat in with the doors, yeah. too. So yeah. he's he's had an eclectic career. Mm-hmm. Andy Summers would go on, uh, you know, basically this would, you know, after this album, they would splinter. They did try and regroup. They did that. I don't know why they redid don't stand so close to me 86. Like that was pretty much the last thing. Yeah. That, last yeah. thing that we heard of. And I think that came from the session when they were trying to get things back together and figure out what they were going to do. But mm-hmm. that was, ju- that was a misfire. I, it was. I, I don't know what the reason for it was. It was, that was definitely 
rooted in the 80s. Like this, the police were not a product of, you know, they were around in the 80s, but they certainly weren't influenced. I would not say they were, they were influenced by what was going on in the 80s, except for that. Mm-hmm. That thing. That's a, that, was, that was a stinker. I'm sorry. And that was more, <laughs> that sounded to me more like, much more like a sting type solo type thing, too. I, I, it was kind of Stuart Copeland, as you say, probably wasn't even playing on the song. It doesn't sound like Stuart Copeland. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's like these like electronic drums on it. Yeah. That's not Stuart Copeland. I'm sorry. I mean, yeah, he's in the video. He's he might have had some kind of something going on, maybe in the studio, but this was not. Well, I think the video was just know. the three of them standing, and it was just they were just yeah, spinning. they were just so spinning. <laughs> I, 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 you know what? They probably didn't even in the same studio when they did it. I'm sure. I'm sure that it was it was over yeah. by then. So they they would they yeah. would move on. Sting would go on to a monster successful solo career yep i mean it would just kind of you know with 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 dream of the blue turtles once people got used to the direction he was going in Mm -hmm. they they were i think they were all in you know i i think what you know after dream of the blue turtles nothing like the sun which was a great album i love you know soul cages i mean he you know 10 summoners tales i mean he really hit a pretty consistent stride Mm -hmm. of of he was kind of really defining what he was doing and it was consistent at that point and you kind of were able to kind of settle in and and, and know what he was doing. Um, and then the police would say, oh, there's money to be made. So <laughs> so they would get As together. Like a lot for, of bands <laughs> decide for, that at some point. <laughs> and I was excited. I remember when yeah. I was like, oh, my, I missed the police. Right. That was one of the ones I was like, did yeah. not see the police. Right. First time around. Police are getting back together. Okay. I, I remember like checking like how much, are, you know, tickets, $300. Mm-hmm. Forget it. Right. Yep. Pass. Not. I'm not paying. I'm not paying three hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm not a cheap person by any means, but I just. I was like, I can't. I can't justify this. No. And they were miserable. You yeah, know, they, they, they didn't. They weren't enjoying themselves. They could definitely tell. It was yeah. something that was just. I don't know for whatever reason. If if, if it wasn't just to make money, I don't know. But it, it, it was. Uh, the thirty. Know, but, it was the thirtieth anniversary of the band's formation in in two thousand seven. Okay. Yeah, I mean, Sting at this point was so far removed from what they what they were doing. I think, and it just and it and it shows because if you've seen a lot of the foot, or you've heard the live album Certifiable, or if you've seen videos on YouTube, it, it's just they, it, the songs are so lackluster. You know, very very slow. They're slower. They're just, you know they're doing some interesting things, but as musicians, but you know, for what they were and the energy that they had you need that for these songs, you know, you need to go back there and they yeah. just did it. It was they more were going like through the motions. It was like Stuart Copeland and, and Andy were backing sting. Yeah. That's what it felt like, you know, and he wanted it that way. You know, he's like, yeah, I want to do it this way. Like this arrangement. And of course you could see the, the fighting happening, like, you know, F you sting and walking out. And it's just sad to see, you don't want, you don't want to see that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. unfortunately that's, we we're, we're big fans of all of these bands that have this this we seem to be yeah we seem to end yeah. up talking a lot about these guys fighting these at the end and with mac and and the who Van and Halen. You know, yeah <laughs> it's it's sad, we haven't even gotten the, we haven't even gotten the sticks <laughs> <laughs> so we're saving like sticks for like the granddaddy of yeah. all animosity fights right right <laughs> it's just it's kind of sad you know but yeah. we 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 uh, love these very we, we could do a show on people. we could do yeah, we could yeah. we could absolutely do a show on <laughs> just call it, we just call it animosity. Yeah, and and, and no doubt. Acri- animosity and acrimony. We could call yeah. the show because that's what it could be is about these bands that don't do like REM, where they realize and they sail off into the sunset and said, "Let's end this on a high note. Let's go yeah. out like that." The police did go out on a high note, and I think the intent was to do something. They just their their personalities, egos, whatever, just didn't match. It it was just not, it was not in the cards, right? Mm-hmm. And and they put out five spectacular albums, staying known as a premier bass player. Although, although, <laughs> if you go listen to our top five bass players episode, Sting is honorary number six for both of us. Yeah. He didn't make the top five. He didn't I thought make he would, the top I thought five. he would be in Eric's top five, and I predicted he would be. And if you listen to this episode, you would think Sting <laughs> would be go. there. Here we go. But he did, he, as a bass player, he didn't make the cut. So, And for me, no. too, he was pretty close for me as well. 
So we both agreed that he would be the honorary number six of our top five bass players. And he really is. He is a great, a, a fantastic bass player. Sure. Really, yeah. really has a feel, can get into the groove. And especially for what the police were doing when it's a trio, you, mm-hmm. you need everybody contributing. And, and he really was one of those people back then that really bought, brought the bass back up to the forefront too, as well as, yeah. as a lead instrument and really, and really kind of opening up and doing things with it. So I, I appreciate everything that he had done yeah. uh, and his, and his bass playing. He doesn't really play as much anymore. You know, he's more of a multi-instrumentalist guitar, mm-hmm. you know, the lute. Uh, <laughs> and yeah. those albums that he made old english stuff i i i don't know about that it was interesting very interesting you've got to keep yourself busy you know i had it, i had the christmas one i had the winter one you know the uh he was doing some like old english type christmas stuff on it which is kind of nice you know very traditional but uh yeah i couldn't make heads or tails of the the album before it when he was doing that you know playing with the lute and but you know hey whatever <laughs> floats your boat i mean he like i said he's very He's eclectic. Um, he, I mean, he, that's that's what he is. Most definitely. You yeah. Know, he 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 started out as as one thing, and was able to grow. And that that's one of the great things about watching the police. Again, especially from Zenyatta Mandata to Ghost mm-hmm. in the Machine to Synchronicities, you really see him really kind of grow and and prosper as a, as someone who kind of understands what they want and and really starts to take the band in in, in into different directions. You know, yeah. Ghost, like I said, Ghost in the Machine is something totally different. And then synchronicity, it really doesn't take any of the themes from Ghost in the Machine, I don't no. think, but it gets you something totally different and totally accessible. And all those albums are great. And that's one of the great things about the police. Is- but I think that's why, you know, he, you know, he decided, I think it was Sting himself who decided, look, I'm, it, this is may, maybe it's an ego thing, maybe whatever, whatever, however you want to look at it. But I think it was more or less putting it on the band. You know, I don't want the band to do what you know i don't want to treat the band like they're session players like yeah. i don't want you know what i mean i want we're yeah, equals he wants, to, in he this wants thing. to do what he wants to do so, and and i have to do it on and my own and not impose yeah, yeah not impose right. it upon them and say yep. it, it's my way or the highway that's right and, and that's it seems like and it seems like they're all going in very different directions because yeah. Stuart copeland would take a different thing andy summers would do some soundtrack work as well mm. So I couldn't he, wait to get the hell out of that band. Wasn't he, he was, in, wasn't he like um <laughs> wasn't he like the band leader for some talk show too? Or like Chevy Chase or somebody had a talk show? Uh, wasn't yes. like Andy Summers like the band leader? Yes, he was. Actually, actually. Um oh my I god, can't remember what, who was what was I can't it? remember who it was. Oh geez. So somebody had yeah, somebody yeah, had a, a, right. a talk show and he was like the band leader for and it was like <laughs> one or two seasons and it was done. I, I don't know. Andy Summers as a band leader, I'm not sure because he's just so out there that I don't know if yeah. People could fo- could follow <laughs> what he was doing, yeah. but um, the, so they all they all had vibrant careers afterwards. Doing obviously Sting, Sting the most notable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do they know it's Christmas and and all of his again all of his charitable work that he's done as well, uh, his, his philanthropy. So he he's definitely has had activism in, in his in his veins since the beginning. Even going back to the uh, the what is it the uh, the secret policeman's ball? Yes which was a charity. That was one of his first solo appearances That's as right. well. Yep. Um, so he goes way back with that kind of stuff. That's always been a, a through line too, uh, as with politics. And you can hear that m- more notably in his solo work. Yeah. He's an um, activist for the environment. He's, yeah. you know, uh, apartheid. That was a big thing, especially in the eighties. So, uh, yeah, and he wrote songs to reflect it. Uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So that that's going to do it. I think for, for synchronicity, uh, it's definitely, one one of the ones that that we both love, and and it's a very eclectic album. So if you're mm-hmm. looking for something different, you, you can't go by the singles. So if you know that, and there's four hit singles, um, but there's some other stuff in there too. So so don't think you're gonna get the same thing over and over if you know the four singles. You are in for a treat then if you haven't listened to the album because it is mm-hmm. something totally different. That's right. Uh, very very eclectic. Sometimes strange, right? <laughs> sometimes a little head scratching, but always definitely going to engage you. And that's one of the great things about it. And and such a such a uh, a swan song that they mm-hmm. go out on such a high note too, mm-hmm. which and doesn't it's... always happen. A lot of bands go out with a whimper. So we thank you for for staying with us and and tuning in. We appreciate you you're checking us out as well. We're on social media at Instagram and Facebook at 3324 Podcast. So check us out there. A lot of posting that we do. We do live shows as well where you can interact with us and and we interact with with, with everybody that shows up. We love doing that. It, start, it starts a lot of great conversation and we have a lot of fun with. So we encourage you to check us out on Facebook and you can see when we schedule those. Uh, and until next time, for Eric, this has been Dean. 
and we will see you on the flip side. You've been listening to the 3324 podcast with Dean Legiro and Eric Cooper. You can find us on your favorite podcast provider. So please like, subscribe, and rate to become a part of the 3324 family. Your feedback is important. So make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at 3324podcast and on Twitter at 3324p to join the conversation. 